0: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions and updates across the world of wrestling. Oh,
1: to the what the hell are funny can't believe that. Look at Triple H taking it to Cactus on the other side of the ring. Triple H and Cactus going at it, they're at each other. it's down cheering on over, there's gonna be no way out. On, Triple, Triple H-, H-, H. Inside the hell of a cell, I can tell you that. This is a war, this is carnage. This is carnage, and look at that, it's the Outlaws, it's the Outlaws. And they got weapons. This. Stephanie, get over here, we've lost nice. power, we've lost power here, we're live. What the hell? What the hell is this? Jared, what did you do? Oh, I didn't do anything, Stephanie, I promise. Who is that? Uh, what? What She is here! Oh my God! What's he gonna do, JR? Paul Gary is back with a King. And King is walking right through the mouth of hell, through hellfire and brimstone. That's back out. King wants that spot. King wants anybody in front of him. Yes. The Big Red Machine. The Big Red Machine is ready to run. Is ready to destroy. Oh no! Thompson. From the Downton Cattle, Kane has returned with Paul Bear. Triple H gets Stephanie. Oh my God. Through Hellfire and Bristol, Kane is back. But you can bet they will be hell to pay Thursday night on SmackDown. Kane is back. Back. I'm a nice man. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? <laughs> <laughs> <did that>? yeah! <laughs>
2: well, me! <not>. <laughs> You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network.
0: Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich, and joining me today, he is a writer for Voices of Wrestling, but more importantly, he's making his podcast debut on this very show. Hailing from the great white north of Ontario, Canada, it's Griffin Peltier. Griffin, welcome to the show, and welcome to the wonderful world of podcasting.
2: Thanks for having me, Andrew. Uh, I'm a bit nervous, Uh, you know, first time and everything, but uh, this should be fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I knew you were going to take this seriously because the day I asked you to come on the show, you went on Amazon and you ordered a microphone in Canadian dollars, by the way. You big spender, you. Uh, And now here you are talking to me in uh, crystal clear quality. So I I am grateful that you're here and that you... You took the plunge on your first ever podcast, and you also spent hard-earned money, cold, hard Canadian cash uh, for the sake of this show. So uh, thank you, Griffin, for doing so.
2: (laughs) Yeah, $25 well spent. I guess I can't go to Tim Hortons for a few days now, though, but uh, (laughs) everything's all good.
0: All right, cool. Uh, All you have to do now is not suck. (laughs) <laughs> this will all be worth it.
2: <laughs> okay, I'll, tr- I'll try. I'll try. I'll try not
0: I'm to. Kid- I'm kidding, of course. You'll you'll do great. I know it. But um, so I guess before we get into today's topic, I'll ask you a question that I ask a lot of my first time guests. Uh, when and how did you get into wrestling? And has music played a big part of your wrestling fandom?
2: uh yeah, definitely. Uh, I started watching. Well, I guess I started watching wrestling when I was in the womb. I guess. My dad was a fan uh, of the Attitude Era, so I grew up with that, uh, and then I just continued watching wrestling my entire life. Uh, so I'm 19, so I've been watching wrestling for 19 years, uh, and music has definitely played a big part in that. Uh, I was a big fan of the Hardy Boys, uh, as every young wrestling fan was at that time. Uh, so the Hardy Boys theme music was great, and then wrestling really defined what type of music I listened to. Uh, I'm a big heavy metal rock fan, uh, probably because of Triple H's music, uh, everything of the like. So, so music and wrestling has really played an integral part on uh, me as a person, I
0: guess. Cool, cool. So uh, yeah, today, Griffin, we are here to discuss the theme history of of one of the longest standing wrestlers in the WWE, and really one of the longest standing gimmicks in the WWE as well. Over 20 years at this point. It was all the way back, on episode 2 of this show, that myself and my former co-host Chris, we talked about the theme history of The Undertaker. And now, on episode 43, we are going to be looking at the themes of The Undertaker's brother. Or half-brother, actually. He's the big red machine, the devil's favorite demon, and the actual mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, Kane. Or as Todd Grisham would call him... Kane! Kane! (laughs) Uh,
2: That's gotta be Kane.
0: It's gotta be Kane. Uh, Glenn Jacobs, he's been around as Kane since 1997. He's been in the WWE since 1995. And he's been WWE Champion, World Heavyweight Champion, ECW Champion, IC Champion, Hardcore Champion... Multiple time tag team champion, money in the bank winner, and unquestionably the MVP of the 2001 Royal Rumble. And my feelings about Kane are a, a, a tad complex because he's not my favorite wrestler. I don't think he's the bee's knees, the be-all and all And I've disagreed with how he's been used uh, in high-profile situations these past few years. And if he retired tomorrow, I wouldn't exactly moan and cry about it. And yet, and yet, I've enjoyed my fair share of Kane over the years. He's provided me with some really memorable moments, both uh, uh, live and prior to my fandom. And to this very day, dare I say, I have a bit of a soft spot for Kane. Like, when people are saying, oh, well, why is Kane still being used in 2018 in main event matches? Kane fucking sucks. He's always fucking sucked. I'm like, okay, I agree on the first part. I don't want to see that either. I, I want to see younger, you know, younger talent being used in those spots. But leave Kane alone. You know, leave, leave the big fella alone. He, you, don't, you don't want to insult the man, for God's sake. Maybe it's the fact that Kane's been a part of my wrestling fandom since the beginning, really, since 2003. But I do have a soft spot for the guy, even if I disagree with how he's been used. Um, What about you, Griffin? Uh, What are your thoughts on Kane?
2: Uh, I love Kane. Kane is one of the all-time greats, in my opinion. He's a very reliable wrestler. Uh, Just look at the the Shields debut. You had the Shields, hot as hell hell as a pun intended yeah. definitely
0: uh-huh.
2: there you go yeah. there we go that's a cheap pop i guess uh and then you needed a, a, an experienced opponent for both the, for all three members of the shield so the Kane, daniel bryan and then ryback just because ryback was hot at the time kane has always been used as the guy that everybody can fight even if they're not a trained professional like shane mcmahon Kane is always there and is always willing to put people over, even if he doesn't have to. Uh, So Kane, in that regard, is one of the best ever.
0: You know, I think Kane, like I said, he's never been a world-class wrestler. He's had had good matches in his career, uh, even some great matches, I think. But with Kane, I think that stuff doesn't really matter as much because he's just so memorable regardless. He's memorable... Because he's been around for so long, for one. you know his, his longevity is incredible. He's crossed generations of wrestling fans. If you started watching wrestling in 1998, 2001, 2003, 07, 2011, 2015, 2018, Kane has been there. And he's also memorable because of his look. The masks, the outfits, the white eye contact, his ugly bald head, his gigantic stature... You take one look at Kane, and you will remember him. And you will also remember what Kane has done over the years, because he's done a lot of very memorable things. Um, I brought this up on the Halloween episode that I did last year, how when I first started watching wrestling as a kid in 2003, I was afraid of Kane. Not afraid of what he would do to me, but rather what he would do to my favorite wrestlers. Because 2003-2004 Kane was a fucking monster. He was fucking psychotic. He tombstoned Linda McMahon on the stage. He set Jim Ross on fire. He electrocuted Shane's nuts. He buried The Undertaker alive again. He crushed Shawn Michaels' throat. He impregnated and married Lita. All in the span of one year. And when you're a kid... That stuff stays with you for a long ass time. I I I never ever forgot what Kane did during that time period. Just as I'm sure that there are people out there who watched wrestling as a kid and, and saw what Kane did or who Kane destroyed or whatever and they'll never forget, you know, those memories.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. Uh, I was a kid when Kane went on that uh, rampage in 03 or 04. And I thought it was great. Uh, I I was scared of Kane because obviously this is this monster who's just unhinged. uh, But it made for great TV. I always wanted to tune in again, especially with the Shane McMahon feud. Uh, I will go on to say that that is one of my most favorite feuds of all time. Uh, I know that that is not a good opinion online and Twitter will probably have a field day with that. Uh, (laughs) But whatever. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was great. Kane setting JR on fire is great. Uh, it's just this this, this is his monster that you know can just beat the shit out of anybody. And I want to go back to a point uh, that you said about Kane not being the best in-ring worker. I would make the argument uh, that Kane didn't need to be that great in-ring worker. Uh, he, he could be a great hardcore wrestler like uh, the Raven Big Show triple threat match. I thought that was fantastic. That's a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah, it was a fun match. But Kane as a character is much like Abyss from TNA, uh, where they didn't have to put on these five-star classics because they could just have fun matches. Uh, So just the longevity with that, uh, Kane as a character has just been fantastic.
0: Yeah, I think my favorite moment ever with Kane is from February 7th, 2000. It was the main event of Raw, 10 man tag it was triple h X-Pac, and the radicals versus the rock cactus jack and too cool and there's a big schmoz ending and and things break down billy gunn and road dog come in with like weapons and they attack the the good guys the heels are beating everybody up and it's it's an unfair advantage and stephanie's on commentary like you know well she's all gloating and cheering yeah yeah and jim ross is incensed of course and, and, and things look dire yeah and then the lights go out And who steps out onto the stage but Paul Bearer, who hadn't been seen in months. And then we hear...
2: Boom!
0: The pyro goes off, and here comes Kane, who hadn't been seen in weeks either. The crowd is going, like, nuts. And Jim Ross is like, you know, Oh my god, it's Kane! Kane is here! And Kane comes down the ramp, He enters the ring, and he kicks so much ass. Punch to X-Pac. Punch to Triple H. Boom. Chokeslam to Perry Saturn. Boom. Chokeslam to Billy Gunn. The heels scatter. The faces stand tall in the ring. And who is in the ring standing tallest of all? It's Kane, who looks like an unstoppable phenom. And Kane lifts his arms up, and with Paul Bearer looking on with love in his eyes. With love! In his eyes, Kane, boom, the turnbuckle pyro goes off, crowd is going ballistic, and Jim Ross, with the line of the night, says, through hellfire and brimstone, Kane is back. It's a goddamn fantastic moment, and it gives me chills, chills, every single time I watch it to this very day, and it just goes to show that wrestling magic isn't exclusive. Anyone can wield it. In the right circumstances, whether they're a five-star wrestler or not.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh Kane is one of the best return wrestlers ever. As in, if he ever is gone for an extended period of time and he returns, it's always a guaranteed pop. Kane yeah. Kane is great in that regard. Just you need somebody to like stack the deck against the heels, or you need somebody to just go kick ass. Kane's the guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, Griffin, are you ready to open up the gates of hell and discuss the themes of Cain?
2: Uh, I guess I guess so.
0: <laughs> Sorry, to, I don't mean to scare you there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know what music's coming up, so... Uh, uh,
0: that's true, yes. Uh, my ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take everybody back in time here to when a young Glenn Jacobs was bouncing around the country in different companies under a variety of, of names... Bruiser Mastino in WCW, Angus King in CSWA, Doomsday and the Christmas Creature in USWA, but our musical journey begins in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, where our man Kane is wrestling under the very auspicious name of Unabomb. His theme there, done by a legendary band, Kiss, off the album Revenge, this is Unholy. this song from two different avenues. The overall aesthetic of the music, and then the the more nitty gritty stuff with the lyrics. So we'll start with the music. Uh, this is, as far as KISS goes, uh, this is some heavy duty stuff from KISS. It's not heavy to the levels of Slayer or Cannibal Corpse, but for KISS, this is definitely, I think, one of the heaviest songs in their oeuvre. It's pretty similar in tone to previous songs like War Machine or God of Thunder, which, funny enough, are both songs that are sung by Gene Simmons, who sings this song. And I think it's appropriate that Gene is the one who sings this song and not Paul Stanley, because Gene is the demon. He, he spits fire and blood. He himself is unholy, and his voice has that rough aggressive edge to it, that kind of guttural quality, which goes along perfectly with the uh, with the evil, diabolical guitar riffs, which I think are very reminiscent of Seeking Destroy by Metallica, in my opinion. Whereas if Paul sang the song with his high falsetto voice, I don't think it would have the same effect. But yeah, the overall atmosphere of this song, without even reading the lyrics, it has this malicious and scary quality to it, uh, the gang vocals in the chorus, "Unholy," evokes some, some sort of hellish army. So, if I pictured in my mind what a song called "Unholy" would be like, it would be like this. Griffin,
2: yeah, yeah, this is uh, very different from the Kiss that I that I usually listen to. Uh, 70s, 80s Kiss is a lot different than this 90s Kiss. Uh, the lyrics are dark. Uh, but that's fine. It really fits the Kane character. Uh, well, it's a Unabomb character at this point. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very different from the usual Kiss.
0: True, yes. Um, I mean, with the lyrics, these are very much Kiss lyrics, no doubt. Uh, they're pretty straightforward and, and to the point point, easy, easy to understand. And uh, going along with the music, the lyrics are quite harsh and hellish. Uh, I was there through the ages chained slaves to their cages i have seen you eat your own i am the infection and famine that's knocking at your door i am the incubus i lay the egg in you the worm that burrows through your brain you send your children to war to serve bastards and whores and so on and so forth the imagery is quite violent it's quite unpleasant and, and grotesque and it's meant to represent all of the evil things in the world that man has done to his fellow man and with a character like Unabomb, who is big and evil-looking and violent and called Unabomb, you know, he's, he's named after the Unabomber, for crying out loud, the the idea of giving him Unholy as a theme song works, because the harshness of the music and the unpleasantness and violence of the lyrics fit the character and the look real well. I, I agree. I agree with you, Andrew. Uh, Yeah,
2: definitely. This, this is a very... Evil song, I guess, and it fits a very evil character, uh, so it's a perfect match.
0: Yeah, and you hinted at this earlier. Actually, uh, it, it's funny, I think, how this song is a strange case of foreshadowing for what was to come later with Cain. Because if you had to describe Cain, one of the words that you would use is unholy, because he's demonic. He has he has fire powers. He's a monster. He. Does not walk on the side of the light, shall we say? Uh, the the guy is, for all intents and purposes, unholy. Even when he was corporate Cain, he was still unholy because he was corporate. You know, those guys are are quite demonic in their own right. So it's interesting how years before the Cain character ever came about, Glenn Jacobs is using a song that represents his future this future character Cain to a T. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's uh, if if we had to pick a song for Kane that wasn't a Jim Johnson production, uh, "Unholy" would definitely be a good fit.
0: Yeah, yeah. And speaking of foreshadowing, I watched a clip online recently from Smoky Mountain in like '95, where Undertaker came in as a special guest, and he had a match with none other than Unabom. It was technically the first time that Undertaker and Kane ever met. And Unabom's entrance attire was a cape, some leather support straps, and a red and black mask. So even the gear was itself an omen for what was to come later down the line with Kane. Of course, obviously the red and black mask, the leather straps that would be on his gear at certain points of his career and even the cape which he only wore for like a few occasions at the start of the cane run which is pretty uh, interesting i think griffin
2: yeah that cape looked badass and that was uh pictures that came out
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, the the rare pictures i th- i thought that cape looked badass for for the start uh i wouldn't i wouldn't mind it if, if he wore that cape longer uh personally just because you know He's got a mask, so he looks like a superhero, but he's like a Mm supervillain.
0: Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, Glenn makes his way to the WWF in 1995. And his first gimmick there is as Jerry Lawler's private dentist, the villainous Dr. Isaac Yankum, DDS. A.K.A. I, Yankum. Har, de har, har. And Dr. Yankum's theme song by Jim Johnston, of course, is the appropriately named song, Root Canal. You know, this theme is not the most harmonious song in the world. It's it's certainly not the most pleasant song either. And I I don't I don't think you'd find it on a Jim Johnston Greatest Hit C D, shall we say. But I will say this. If you're going to have a theme for an evil dentist wrestler, you can't compose a song That sounds nice and pleasant. You can't make a theme that will make people feel happy or comfortable. Because nobody feels happy or comfortable going to the dentist in real life. You know, it's an awful, awful experience. The soundtrack of which is usually loud, piercing drills that dig into your bloody gums and send lightning bolts of pain shooting into your mouth. So, an evil dentist character needs a theme that is just overloaded with the sound of dentist drills. It's just perfect because people hear this song and those painful memories of going to the dentist are all dredged up and they squirm in their seat and they cover their ears and they boo Isaac Yankum for having this uh, this gruesome song here, uh, Griffin.
2: Uh, This theme song, it, it... it works for the character, but I, it's one of the worst theme songs of all time. Like, terrible, <laughs> absolutely terrible. It, it makes Brimo sound like a piece by Beethoven.
0: <laughs> it's not good. It's not no. good at all. No. no. Uh, but here's the thing, though: underneath the drills, is this like symphonic melody that you can somewhat hear in the mix if you listen closely. <laughs> Very similar, I think, to the uh, symphonic melody of O to Freud, Mankind's theme, that, that same sense of unnerving orchestration, something that is meant to be beautiful and refined and dignified and classy, but it's composed in a way that is maleficent and nerve-wracking. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a styles clash of sorts. And if you looked at Isaac Yankum, you would see that he himself was a bit of a styles clash. Because for a man who went to dental school and earned his degree and spent so much time drilling into people's mouths for a living in pursuit of dental hygiene, his own teeth were pretty fucked up. So the man is himself a walking contradiction, uh, a, a walking styles clash as is his own theme song. Now, the difference between this song and Mankind's theme is that in Mankind's theme, you can hear the orchestration clearly. Whereas in Root Canal, the nuances and the complexities of the symphonic music are they're buried under dental drills, which is appropriate because I don't think Isaac Yankum was as complex or as interesting a character as mankind was griffin
2: oh definitely definitely not as complex as mankind uh i i just can't get over those dentist drills man <laughs> <laughs> those uh, those are terrible i got them stuck in my head now uh it, not good not good at all i i don't have words for this theme just because i think it's god awful
0: <laughs> let's move on shall we oh please let's please. move on now yes Well, in 1996, Isaac Yankum went away, and he's replaced by Diesel. Well, not really Diesel. It's it's the fake Diesel, or Diesel 2. Because when Kevin Nash and Scott Hall jumped ship to WCW, the WWF decided to stick it to them by recasting the roles of Diesel and Razor Ramon. Fake Razor was played by Rick Bogner. And of course, Fake Diesel was played by our boy, Glenn Jacobs. Because when you need someone to roleplay as Diesel, they need to be big, they need to be muscular, and according to Jim Cornette, they need to be able to do all six of Kevin Nash's moves. And that's with the hair flip the back elbow, the side knees in the deal, the
1: fucking flipper punch, the fucking hair. Um side it's slam. side side slam and and there's something else. It's been 15 years. So power
0: bomb. power bomb. Yes. There you go. You find another one, motherfucker. The back elbow, the side knees in the deal, the fucking flipper punch, the fucking hair, side slam and the power bomb. There you go. You find another one, motherfucker. So, <laughs> Glenn Jacobs becomes fake diesel. So, he gets the diesel theme. This is off of WWF Full Metal, and it's called Diesel Blues. <laughs> It's called Diesel Blues and Jim Johnston certainly puts a lot of elements that would fit a blues song and a diesel song as well uh, in the song. The truck noises at the start, the classic blues rhythm, bum, 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 bum. the harmonica, the noodly guitar playing. It's a blues song that, even without the sound effects, it sounds like it would fit the diesel character. Because it's not a southern, swampy blues song, It, it does sound more like an industrial blues song to me. It conjures up these images of smoke and steel and engines and factories and riding the roads of America. The Diesel character and Kevin Nash himself is from Detroit, the Motor City, which was the hub of the automotive industry in America for decades. He's called Diesel, to cry out loud. So, yeah, I think Jim Johnston went in the right blues direction when he made this song for Diesel, which, of course, was subsequently given to Fake Diesel.
2: Yeah, yeah, this this is a great theme song for Diesel, for Kevin Ash. Uh, I don't know if it fit Fake Diesel. Uh, reusing the same theme song didn't really in my opinion, playing to the Like, If they changed the pitch on it or something like that, because they were going all out on it being a fake diesel, if they changed the theme music just a little bit, I think it would have fit a lot better. But the music itself is really, really good. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I love a good harmonica Mm -hmm. in a song. And the harmonica in this theme is awesome. It it just wails and warbles, and it's it's pretty damn good. Uh, Good and sassy as well. I know... The saxophone is the instrument that is often called sassy, but the harmonica can be pretty sassy as well, I think.
2: Yeah, this theme song is, uh, as a piece of music, this song, you can like flip your hair to it, (laughs) and I mean, we're talking about Diesel here, so of course, it fits.
0: Yeah, I'll be honest, it does feel a little weird talking about this song on a Kane episode, even though he should be, because it was part of his theme history, It it does feel strange not talking about it on a Kevin Nash episode first, I think. Although, to be fair, you know, the whole fake Diesel and fake Razor thing was itself very strange. So I suppose it's fitting that there's a sense of awkwardness uh, talking about this song on a Kane episode. Because the whole thing was uh, pretty awkward as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, The gimmick itself is... Personally, if I, if I had if I had the pencil, uh, I wouldn't have done it, but they, I guess they wanted to stick it to WCW and what better way to do that than just use your IP?
0: All right, so we've covered Unabom, we've covered Isaac Yankum and fake diesel, but all of that is small potatoes compared to the gimmick that Glenn Jacobs would take on next, and the reason why we're doing this episode, Kane. In 1997, Paul Bearer had been feuding for months with The Undertaker, and for months he had been accusing The Undertaker of setting a fire in his childhood home that claimed the lives of Taker's parents and his brother Kane. But as it turned out, Bearer revealed that not only was Kane alive, not only was Kane physically and mentally scarred by the fire, not only was Kane actually The Undertaker's half-brother, and that Bearer had fathered him, but it was also revealed that Kane was coming to the WWF, and he was going to get his revenge on The Undertaker for all the pain that he caused him in their youth. Undertaker did not believe it. He denied it. But sure enough, on October 5th, 1997, at Bad Blood in Your House, when Undertaker was about to defeat Shawn Michaels in the first ever Hell in a Cell match, the lights went out. The spooky organ music hit. Boom at the pyro. Da na na Da Red light covers the arena and out comes this big, tall, scary-looking motherfucker in a red and black mask, long dark hair, and a full red and black bodysuit with only one arm visible. And as Vince McMahon famously said, <laughs> That's gotta be, that's gotta be Cain! And Cain ripped off the cell door, he stared down Taker, he raised his arms, boom, went the pyro from the turnbuckles, he tombstoned Undertaker, and he trudged his way right to the back. And thus began the long, strange trip of a man named Cain. The first Cain theme song, being off the album WWF The Music Volume 3, this is called burned. Get to the specifics of the song in a moment but I just want to say first that I hadn't heard this song in a long while and when you don't hear a song for a long time you, you tend to forget how that song makes you feel and what your opinions are about the song and then you hear it again and all those memories and feelings just come flooding back to you well I, I listened to the song ...in prep for this episode, and holy shit, I forgot how fucking great this song is. I mean, this song is a goddamn powerhouse in so many ways. It sounds so cool, so badass, so full of vim and vigor, and it fits Kane to a T. And really, when you think of the context of when it debuted in 97, I think it's one of those themes... ...much like the DX theme, actually that it, it helps take the overall sound of the WWF and usher it into the Attitude Era. This doesn't feel like a new generation theme. This feels fresh and new and unique. And subsequently it makes Kane feel fresh and new and unique, Griffin. Oh yeah, definitely.
2: Uh, this is my second favorite Kane theme song of all time. Uh, it's The theme just has a certain sound to it that just makes you go man this guy is out here to fuck somebody up and it's just great you know the way that it starts a little bit slow and it gets it gets uh, louder and louder as kane makes his entrance it just makes kane look like and sound like such a badass as soon as he walks out from the back
0: definitely yeah this is this is a a, a heavy heavy-duty song, and it just, it gets the character across so well, so perfectly, because he's supposed to be a hellish monster, a a, a demonic entity, like something out of a nightmare, and this song conveys all of that with how it's composed, uh, the classic Kane guitar riff and the the guitar sound, it just sounds so, you know, so evil, so diabolical, it's all hell, these are not squeaky clean guitar, you know, pop guitars. These these are not swaggery sunset strip rock guitars. These are aggressive, nasty, down and dirty industrial metal guitars. And every time Jim Johnston hits a lick, he kicks up fire and brimstone and smoke and soot into the air. The percussion is, is thick and, and chunky and drives the beat forward like a like the war drums of hell. And that intro, man, that intro, when the lights go out in the arena and you hear Jim Johnston play those sustained notes on the organ and it's foreboding and ominous and it just builds the tension and the fear in the opponent's eye and the crowd as well because they know the monster is coming and they can't stop it at all. And then a literal BOOM! Right into the main riff. And couple that with the pyro and the red lighting and Kane himself, and you've got yourself a fantastic, hellish soundscape of a song.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kane comes out. The the pyro adds so much to Kane's theme music. Uh, that boom of the pyro, it just it, it adds a certain element to to his entrance that not a lot of other wrestlers had. This was uh, this was like a, a warning to the wrestler in the ring that they're going to get fucked up, and it was great. It really added to the, to the theme music. And the music itself was just – it just flowed in such a way that it was in your face, but it was also telling you to go take some cover because this guy was going to kick your ass.
0: Yeah, even the B section of the song where it gets more subdued it still gives off a terrifying aura because you've got the choirs, you've got the bells, you've got the light piano touches in there in the background, the chugga-chugga percussion, which is, I think, it, it's supposed to be a reprieve somewhat from the, the evil guitar riffs, but the, the, the wailing guitar is still in there in the B section. It, it's still sounding off every now and then like, like a dragon roaring overhead. So you can't catch a break at all from the demonic madness, and then boom, right back into the A section.
2: Yeah, that guitar is just a thing of beauty. It, it sounds badass. It, it adds to the badassery of the song. Uh, I'm saying badass a lot, but I mean, there's no other word to describe <laughs> it. It's just yeah. badass, just total badassery. And it was great. It was like, he had Stone Cold Badass, but then he had Kane Badass. It was like two different parallels for, for the company at the time and that guitar is just something that just beautiful i I can't describe it with words it's just so great
0: yeah it's 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 just a feeling you get when you hear it and it's like yes i mean yeah i mean this is just an excellent song to give kane for his debut and, and for the first few years of his character because the two just go hand in hand they're both monstrous unrelenting hellish and unique and, and the theme song needs to be this good. It needs to be this expressive and over the top because Kane wears a full mask over his face and he wasn't allowed to talk for the first year or so. He needs other tools to get across his character. Part of it is having Paul Bear as his mouthpiece. Part of it is Glenn Jacobs being such a good performer and using body language to get across his emotions really well and part of it is the music because the music says so much even when Kane doesn't
2: yeah yeah i agree completely uh the music itself inside the song there's like a certain type of aura uh, and you can hear a bit of primal screams as if like it was somebody screaming for help uh which could be like a callback to undertaker supposedly burning down the family home. Oh. Like is that's just something I hear every time I hear that, that theme music, the, the start, it's like, Oh, and stuff like that. It's just like, you know, that's Kane. That's, that's Kane's cry and he's coming mm-hmm. back to kick ass and take names.
0: Yeah. And we'll get to that again later on with another theme for sure. Uh, more prominently, though, but yes. <laughs> um, so, a few years into the Kane run, uh, June 19th, 2000, Kane gets a brand new theme song. He would have this one for a few years. This one is available on WWF The Music Volume 5, and it's called Out of the Fire. <laughs> This one isn't that much different than Burned. A lot of it sounds the same, but there are some uh, some noticeable differences, I think. Uh, the percussion and the B section that kicks in around 35 seconds in uh, is not chugga-chugga. It's the same kind of drumming that's in the, the main part of the song. Perhaps the, the, the twinkly keyboards are a tad more prevalent in the mix. The biggest difference, though, between uh, Out of the Fire and Burned... Is that halfway through the song, the percussion drops out entirely and the choirs come back in. And there's this super dramatic orchestra arrangement. But besides all that, uh, the two songs are pretty similar.
2: Yeah, that's, that's what I get from the song as well. Like It's just a remixed version of Burned. Uh, for some reason listening to it, I don't like it as much as Burned. Uh, but it's, it's basically the same song
0: another key difference actually uh, maybe not noticeable here uh, but with the second theme here on the album version it still has the classic Kane organ intro except I think you know around this time on the TV shows and the live events Kane's entrance had changed to where they cut out the intro with the lights going out and the organ you know coming in and it just started with the pyro and the main riff. Uh, they had started that with "Burned" earlier in the year, and they carried that over with uh, "Out of the Fire" and you know subsequent uh, themes. But on the album, the intro is still here, which is pretty uh, pretty curious, I think.
2: Yeah, I, I liked it better with just the pyro and then the, the main riff of the of the song itself. Uh, just that pyro is just like such a abrupt start that it just adds to that character of Kane. It's get the fuck out he's going to come and kick your ass yeah it's just the king character uh, like i said with burned but that pyro start i think if that was if that was what we listened to here i think that would put it uh higher up on my list than burned uh, just because of that abrupt start like that that man he's coming out he's going to kick your ass it's like uh a, a jump scare is that
0: is that what it's called yes yeah a jump scare Good yeah. very, very good, yes.
2: Yeah, like a jump scare. I'm not I'm not a big horror film fan myself, so you know, all that uh lingo is not my forte. Uh but this was great. Just that pyro starting, fantastic. Uh that main riff was still good. It's it's like the same as burned, which was fantastic in its own right. Uh but yeah, there's just something to this to this theme song that just doesn't have that same effect as Burn to me.
0: I mean, I suppose, thinking about it now, Kane changing themes in 2000 actually made sense at the time, because Kane himself underwent changes in that year, because he stopped wearing the full bodysuit and started wearing that mesh flame singlet with the flame pants and the studded belt. He was showing off more of his own skin and his ripped body, the coloring of the mask was slightly changed. He went from being a mute in 97 and 98 to speaking with that smoker's voice filter in 98 99, you know, you hurt Sean, you hurt me, to just speaking normally. Still muffled by the mask, but it was his real voice. And he was speaking more and more in general, really. He was becoming, I think, less... Mythical and more personable. Uh, so as the theme song changed, so too did Kane, which is a trend that we'll see with Kane over the years.
2: Yeah. Now that you say that, I I, I see that with the theme song with the change, because uh, that was when Kane was with uh, was trying to get into DX, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you know the green Kane mask, the green attire, that never happened. But let's just pretend it did. Uh, that's just i guess it's humanizing kane
0: the third kane theme on our list here and this is actually the one that he's had the longest in his career from april 2002 to august 2008 so over 6 years of this song and when people hear this song they certainly think of a very important period in kane's career in story arc where he lost the mask in 03 and it was revealed that his scars were a lot more emotional than physical. Like, a lot more, because there weren't any really burnt scars on him. But still, Kane was now unmasked and bald and wrestling without a shirt. Uh, Big changes for the guy, certainly. Uh, This theme is available on some versions of WWF Forcible Entry, but it's also available on the soundtrack to the thomas jane punisher film that came out in 04 this is by the band finger 11 whom by the way are also from ontario how about that hey it's canadians man we're (laughs) great and this is their song slow chemical 11, they're, they're not just doing a straight cover of the Kane theme with their own lyrics. What they're doing is, they're taking the Kane riff, and they're modifying it enough to where it's distinct and new, but still recognizable as the Kane riff. And overall, this is the cleanest sounding Kane theme we've had so far, I think. And also the most streamlined Kane theme so far as well, because... It's just vocals, guitar, bass, and drums. No bells, no keyboards, no choirs, no 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 hunting, you know, screaming. It's just finger eleven straight on through. But still, even without those accoutrements, it's still heavy as all hell. The guitar work, the drumming, the vocals—we'll get to soon. But this song packs quite a punch. Uh, so, even though it doesn't sound like you know, as cartoonishly hellish as Burned or Out of the Fire, it still works as a theme song for someone like Kane, who's big and mean and nasty. And dare I say it, Griffin, this is actually my favorite Kane theme of all time. I just, I love this theme song so much.
2: Yeah, same thing here. This, uh, this is, in my opinion, the best Kane theme song ever. Uh, there's just something to it that just... Burned and out of the fire, they're good. They're, they're, I dare say they're great for Kane? But this whole Kane character arc was really helped by Slow Chemical. It just added another dimension to Kane that we just we just never saw, and, and it was great. Like you said, it was streamlined. There was no bells and whistles to the theme song. This was just pure evil, and that was that was a Kane character at this time. It was just pure evil
0: yeah i mean as far as the vocals go this is the first kane theme with vocals and lyrics and speaking to what you just said there griffin in terms of adding dimensions the character when you add vocals you're also adding a new layer to the song you know a new dimension of emotions and thoughts and it's a real personal touch um, of course there are variables to it like depending on the lyrics themselves And depending on how the vocalist sounds, is their voice clean? Is it heavily processed? Is it a a beautiful, high-pitched voice? Is it rough and guttural? Do they sing lightly? Or are they aggressive and blunt? With the lead singer of Finger Eleven, Scott Anderson, his voice is clean. You can hear it in the mix, clear as day. But much like the music, it packs a real punch. It's very aggressive Especially as it gets further into the song, of course. You know, give me the drug you know I'm after. He really digs into it. And he puts his, his full effort into it. And he's as nasty and aggressive and blunt as Kane is.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, this There's a true grit to this theme song. Like, you, you could feel the emotion coming out. Just like you could feel the emotion of the Kane character. And the lyrics themselves are... are very interesting because if you if you analyze them as just lyrics as just words they don't necessarily fit the game character but the way that they're they're sung is just it sounds as if like Kane were to be the one that says it you know what I'm saying
0: yeah yeah I mean the song is about like lost love and I think the emptiness that comes with it and wanting to fill that hole with uh, the, the chemical or what have you and you might think at first glance, like, what does that have to do with Cain? But if you look at Cain's history, you would see that Cain's life has been nothing but loss, you know, lost loves and losing people and being betrayed by those closest to him. Uh, the fire that killed his parents, the car crash that killed Katie Vick. <laughs> um, but seriously, though, you know, we're yeah, yeah, yeah. thinking of Kane Cannon, Yeah. He's been betrayed by so many of his partners, Tori, x China, Taker, Lita. The man just wants to be loved, Griffin, but the people who love him always end up leaving him. It, it's a very sad story, I think.
2: Well, maybe some people just aren't meant to
0: be loved. Maybe, Maybe Kane is one of those people.
2: Maybe he hurts people too much.
0: Maybe, maybe. But yes, yeah, speaking of Kane changing with the themes, you know when he started to use Slow Chemical in the spring of O2, he was, again, transforming. Um, it wasn't right away to bald, psycho Kane, that character, but he was becoming more human in a way. His attire changed again. He started wearing that singlet with the red straps all over it. Uh, the mask changed to where it only covered the top half of his face, and the mouth area was open now, and you can now hear Kane pretty clearly. And and Kane as a character was more personable. You know, like the theme song was more personable and more humanistic and more emotional. It it was such a far cry from the psychotic monster of yesteryear with Burned. But then he lost the mask in 03. And he went on a rampage and he, he did all those super evil things that we brought up earlier. So in an odd twist, Kane having this more emotional, personal song led him down a path to where he became so emotional and so torn up that he just snapped and went back to being the psycho monster again. It was a a Kane reboot, so to speak, which is another trend of Kane's career.
2: Yeah, yeah. That 03 Unmasked Run was was a great way to kind of reset Kane as a monster. Like, what was it, 2002, where he stopped the un Americans from burning the yes. American flag? Yeah. So at that point, you have Kane. He's an ultimate, he's a good guy now. He's still a badass, but like, he's human. So the lyrics in the song. With with the with the losses, after him losing his mask as well, it just fit Kane's. I, I guess this is an emo phase. Would that be would that be correct? His emo <laughs> phase of music, you know.
0: Per- perhaps. Perhaps, perhaps. Uh, his uh, his angry white boy metal phase. I think. Yeah, yeah. Good one too. Definitely.
2: If he wasn't going to have slow chemical, he'd probably have some Eminem. As probably yes.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm sure. But yeah. <laughs> Um, So yeah, in 2008, Kane got another new theme song. He went back to Jim Johnson for this one. And much like the 2004 Denzel Washington film of the same name, this is a song called Man on Fire. We've got a return here to the classic Kane intro, albeit one with a different sound to it. There are some symbols clashing in there as well, those are new. And that modified intro, that's the big flashing red neon sign that says that this song is not going to be like prior Kane themes, because unlike Burned and Out of the Fire, they took out the big nasty, wailing, evil, diabolical guitars and made the B section the main sound of the song. The bells, the string instrumentation, the chugga chukka percussion that is muddled in the mix. It has the same beat as prior King themes, the same foreboding tempo. It's not like the song is sped up or slowed down too much. But without those iconic guitars and without those drums that are really pounding and prominent in the mix, the song just lacks that punch and and the gravitas and the fury that Kane's other themes have had. There are hints of that stuff emerging if you listen closely, but they never are fully realized. And because of that, I think this is the weakest Kane theme that he's ever had, and also the worst cane theme he's ever had. What about you, Griffin?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I agree completely on that there. I think what hurts Man on Fire uh, so much is that it came right after Slow Chemical. Mm. If this were to come right after uh, Out of the Fire, maybe we'd be thinking of it as as, as a better cane theme, uh, but it's just such a huge contrast from slow chemical. It's just, Kane Kane's music doesn't feel as as big as as huge as demonic. It's like just another theme song at this point. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it's funny they gave him this theme when they turned him heel in 08 and he started feuding with Rey Mysterio over the mask and all that stuff. It was another Kane reboot. You know, he was supposed to now be taken seriously again. As a monster, again, it, it seems like they do that every few years or so with Kane, where Kane gets a little too casual, a little too nonchalant, and then they have to turn him heel again. And and they have to remind people he's the big bad wolf. Except this theme isn't as monstrous as prior themes. Again, it's the weakest theme he's had so far, I think. You know, is, is it ominous? I, I, I suppose so. But it's not as effectual as burned or out of the fire or slow chemical are. And of course, of course, after a little over a year or so, they turned Kane back to being a face. And then he turned heel again a few months later. So the idea of Kane being taken seriously again as a heel monster kind of becomes moot because he just turned face again, which is something that... We'll talk about uh, with the next theme as well, Griffin.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. The flip-flopping between face and heel kind of hurts the theme as well, just because you can't really get a feel of the Kane character with it. If it's supposed to be slow and plotting as he's evil, then it doesn't make sense when he's when he's nice and good. Uh, but it's just, the theme song feels a little too slow to me. So. I, I can't get behind it if this face is going to come out and kick ass as a monster like Kane, or if this this heel is going to come out kick ass like a monster like Kane. It's just it's a Kane theme song, but it's not a good Kane theme song.
0: So in the summer of 2011, uh, Kane went down with an injury, and towards the end of the year, they began running these vignettes of Kane and a burning red mask with the words. Kane Resurrected appearing on screen. And when you do that, naturally, people start to think, shit, is Kane going to come back with the mask on? Are we going to get old school Kane again? And sure enough, on December 12th, John Cena is wrestling Mark Henry, who was the one who took Kane out in the first place. And then, boom, pyro goes off, lights go out, a new theme song hits, and out comes Kane With a brand new singlet, a metallic mask, and then underneath that mask is another mask, a red mask, that I can only describe as being made out of either bacon or (laughs) strawberry fruit roll-ups. But anywho, uh, he chokeslams John Cena, he's a heel again, Masked Kane is back, the monster is back, he wants us all to embrace the hate... And he's got a brand new theme to boot. His last Jim Johnston theme, this is called Veil of Fire. So here we have yet another reboot of Kane, and yet another reboot of sorts of the classic Kane theme. The intro is still here, with a little choir thrown in there, which is pretty cool, and we do get that bellowing moan. Ah, that takes us into the main riff, which I know is supposed to be like kinda haunting, but to me it reminds me of like young Frankenstein a little bit for some reason. <laughs> But yeah, uh, the guitars are back in the mix, which is nice. There's also a backing guitar in there as well, which is quite chunky and and evil. The percussion has also been propped back up in the mix and is less chugga-chugga and more snappy. The orchestration and the bells are underneath all of it. So unlike Man of Fire, it's an extremely busy song. There's very little room to breathe here, and the soundscape is nice and full and loud. It's a nice return to the hellfire and brimstone and, and the fury, which I think is what was missing with uh, Man on Fire, and it, it's what a Kane theme should be. Perfect.
2: Yeah, yeah, the return of the guitar was great. Uh, it really adds a certain element to a Kane theme song where uh, it's it's impending doom, but. With the return of the character, if I could just go off on a little tangent here, it the the theme song itself would work great if Kane returned it as a face. Like, like, do you see that there? Like, it's it's heavy. There's a lot of stuff going on with the theme song itself, but like, it would have worked better if he was a face. Hmm. Interesting. Like he, everybody wanted him to return with a mask. He comes back with a mask, and then he comes out embracing the hate. Like.
0: People oh, ma- I see. People wanted him to come back. People wanted, people wanted baby face mask Kane again. Exactly.
2: I like, see. They wanted mask Kane to be a monster, but they wanted to cheer mask Kane.
0: Oh, okay. yes. Okay.
2: It was that mask that they wanted. But like, I still find this theme song a little too slow as well, even with everything all in it. Maybe it's because I love slow chemical so much that this feels a little slow paced and slow chemical is very fast paced. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I'm I, not a fan of this theme song, in all honesty. The guitar's great. Don't get me wrong. The guitar's great, the addition of the guitar and the old, like, burned and everything of like that. But I just, I don't feel it.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, if the point of the song is to say, we're taking Kane back to his roots, he's going to be super evil now and he's going to wear the mask again, forget the previous few years of Man on Fire, this is the true Kane reboot, then I I suppose it works, because it comes pretty close to the hellscape of Burned and Out of the Fire. The problem is, again, I have to bring this up, they reboot Kane again. They make him super evil again. They make such a huge deal of him being a monster again, and having the mask again, and embrace the hate and all that stuff. Less than a year into this run, he's back to being a face. He's in Team Hell No with Daniel Bryan, and he's doing anger management comedy skits with him. And don't get me wrong, I love Team Hell No, and I I have no qualms with most comedy and wrestling, but once again, they've cut Monster Kane off at the knees, and they reduced him to being a comedic character. Why should I be afraid of Kane when he's doing hug-it-out spots with Brian. I mean, I was afraid of 2003-2004 Kane because he was legit doing monstrous shit. You know, if I was growing up and started watching wrestling in, like, 2012-2013, I don't think I would be afraid of Kane, oh, even no. with this this big scary to-do of a theme. Oh, no, not at
2: all. Well, 2003 Kane is, like, tombstoning grandmothers on the entrance stage and <laughs> lighting... Lighting beloved announcers on fire, whereas 2011 Monster kane is pushing Zack Ryder off an entrance stage in a wheelchair, and trying to suffocate guys with a coal miner's glove. <laughs> it, it's it's not the same monster, even though they tried to push it that way, uh, and it, it just it doesn't fit theme song. Like I have it, I have it written down here. I, I wrote down a few notes while listening to the themes. Uh, this is still a Cane theme but it feels super generic. Like this is, this could be like a knockoff cane.
0: Mm. And what's even weirder is that he had this theme as corporate cane too. When he grew the hair back and he was wrestling in slacks, it, it, it's a pretty strange sight to see that, you know, to have this, this big bombastic nightmarish song playing the Titan Tron is all fire and brimstone and who comes out, but uh corporate cane, you know, it's, it's a little weird, uh, Griffin.
2: Man, those were, those were slacks of evil, man.
0: <laughs> good point, good point. So the final theme of the episode and the final Kane theme to talk about today, uh, it debuted in October 2017. Kane had actually been away from WWE for almost a year at that point, And when he came back, they gave him yet another new theme song. This is by CFOs and it's called Veil of Fire Rise Up Remix. Like the phoenix rising up from the ashes, born anew, the burst of flame at the start of the song gives way to the rise of this bad boy. And my goodness, what a remix we've got here. CFOs have injected a lethal dose of contemporary heavy metal bombast into Vela of fire. If you thought that this song was busy before then stand back, there's a hurricane coming through. Because, sonically, this is like the most jam-packed Kane theme ever. You've got the guitars that are amped up in the main riff. You've got the additional noodly guitars that are all over the song. You've got the boosted string orchestration that augments the grandiosity and the theatricality of it all. And of course, the choir is still there. The heavy drubbing is still there. The young Frankenstein moaning is still there. Sonically speaking, this blows right past the regular version of the song. Because it's just... It's so much, Griffin. It's so much.
2: Oh, yeah. It's a Kane theme on steroids. It has everything, but I get totally taken out of the theme song as soon as it starts with that forced pyro.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because with Kane, you want... Either the jump scare of the boom, or you want the intro, the spooky classic movie monster intro. But that I fire, it's just so. A, it's a little too corny, and it's a little too weak as well. Like if this was like boom, like if this was like huge and super big to go along with this song, then fine. But yeah, it's just, it's too corny and like clip arty, you know?
2: Oh yeah, it definitely, definitely. Like, if they took a clip of Kane's pyro from back in the day and just used that to start, that would be fine. But this just sounds so, like, I don't know, like, you know how kids, you know, they, they make the pyro sound when they, when they play with the action figures and everything? Yeah. You know, and stuff like that. It sounds like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It sounds like that. It's just, like, it doesn't have that feel, that Kane feel to it. Mm. It just sounds fake.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean. Besides that, though, I think this is a pretty badass theme, and it's it's pretty weird that you've got old ass Kane now coming out for a match every so often. His best days are far behind him, and yet he's coming out with this like super energetic, super intense, badass theme song, and it's like it's, it's kind of a waste. I think like like imagine a full strength prime of his life Kane coming out to this bad boy with crazy strings and wild guitars he looked like a serious goddamn like mega supervillain with this one but unfortunately he's got this theme now at the tail end of his career and I doubt we'll hear it that often because Kane's a mayor now and it's a shame because I think this song does kick ass
2: oh yeah it does kick ass which is why I think it works so well right now actually uh, Andrew is this Kane theme is is like a super Kane theme, so it gives you the idea of Kane of the past. Uh, if you're watching the WWE product for the first time you hear this, it sounds like a monster. You don't need to know Kane's history to know that this guy is a monster. Which, which is why I think this works so well for the limited Kane appearances. It conveys his character as soon as he comes out.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, chances are we'll hear this song again soon, in a few days or whenever, uh, with WWE Super Showdown, because Kane is going to be accompanying Taker to ringside for his match against Triple H, and I imagine Kane will come out before Taker comes out, so we'll probably hear this song being played again soon, uh, Griffin.
2: Yeah, definitely. We'll probably hear it at Crown Jewel as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Kentucky be damned, those those Saudis want their cane, goddammit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, they asked for a mask guy, and uh, I guess they get cane, Yeah, They're not Rey Mysterio
0: this time. <laughs> maybe next time. Yeah, maybe <laughs> next
2: time, probably in, like, December or something.
0: Yeah. So that was our look at the themes of Kane, as well as the themes of Dr. Isaac Yankum, fake diesel, and, of course, Unabomb. And, you know, in summation, I guess I can say that I'll never be a super fan of Kane's. And truth be told, I I don't really need to see him wrestle ever again. Um, Of course, he will wrestle again because the Saudis want their masked guy, damn it. (laughs) But uh, honestly, Kane has given me a lot of fun memories over the years. Some pretty fun matches, too. And I have nothing but respect for the guy. I mean, because he found the role that he was born to play, and he's played it pretty damn well. And throughout all the different eras of the WWE and throughout all the different roster changes since like 1995, which have been a lot, Kane is one of the few guys to have made it through all of that. And for good reason, because no big scandals, no backstage rumors that he's hard to work with. He's loyal. All the other wrestlers seem to like him. Uh, He's a good family man. and, And, you know, he's just all around a pretty, pretty good guy. Kane is. So, kane gets a big red thumbs up in my book uh what about you griffin Uh, any final thoughts on kane
2: kane's cool man uh that character the whole character arc is great Uh, i really like his masks uh i'm a big masks fan myself so any time kane has a mask it's a thumbs up from me uh and just throughout the years he's provided me with a Bunch of cool little stories that I could follow along with while I uh, while I watch wrestling, uh, because what is wrestling without those corny stories or like guys tombstoning Linda McMahon or whatever? <laughs> uh, I'll always know that uh, Shane has balls of steel because Kane was able to electrocute them, and man, ambulance matches, man, are one of my favorite stipulations just because of Kane. So a plus a plus player in my book
0: all right so that does it for this episode of music of the mat thank you so much for listening and thank you griffin for coming on the show here i know this was your first time on a podcast but you got through it relatively unscathed a a few singes here and there from the cane themes maybe a an abscessed tooth or two uh, from the Dr. Isaac Yankem theme, but otherwise you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything you want to plug, just go right ahead.
2: Well, first off, I just want to say thanks for having me. Uh, as for plugs, uh, go read some columns on VoicesOfWrestling.com. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at BigGriff12. 12. That is B I G G R I F F T W E L V E. And not the number 12. Uh, and yeah, this this was fun. Follow Music of the Mat uh, on Twitter as well, just because this is a cool podcast. And uh, thanks for being my first, Andrew. My first podcast, that is.
0: Yes, let's clarify that, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to get that taken out of context. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Music of the Mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, home to some great wrestling podcasts like the Voices of Wrestling flagship. Shake Them Ropes, Wrestling Omikaze, Burning Spirits, Five Star Match Game, Brit Rez Roundtable, and plenty more. Check them all out at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at MusicOfTheMat. Follow me on Twitter at AndrewTRich. Head on over to the VOW forums to find the YouTube playlist for this episode and all past episodes. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash forum. And, of course, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and many other places. Griffin, thanks again. This was a ton of fun, and I'm sure I'll talk to you again soon.
2: Yeah, Thank you, Andrew. Thank you.
0: All right. For Griffin Peltier I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys.